This is Good Coma Wrestling. Welcome to another edition of GKW. Once again, skating a man down. No Jonathan Hood tonight. He is off, but I am Gabe Neitzel from ESPN Milwaukee. Joining me from ESPN West Palm is Brian Rowitz back from his vacation last week. Excited for this week's episode because we are going to be joined by Brutus Beefcake in about 15 minutes or so. So we're going to be talking with him about Boca Raton Championship Wrestling and the event they have coming up there in early November. He's their commissioner, of course, about his Hall of Fame career. But where do we start first, Brian? The biggest story in professional wrestling continues to be, at least in our minds, MJF. Maxwell Jacob Friedman cuts a promo last night and, and he continues to like trend towards babyface. For example, he tells the crowd in Virginia last night, I love you. And then also adds, despite all your shortcomings. So like he still can't completely help himself, but he's been on this trajectory of babyface. Can MJF work as a good guy in AEW? Yeah, it's been very odd even to end this show last night where he goes out there and essentially defends Moxley and then in turn gets jumped himself by the firm. I don't see how it works. Like MJF, we have talked about a lot, is the best heel in professional wrestling. As great of a run as Roman's in, it's still MJF when it comes to heels. The way he gets that heat, the way he goes at a crowd, and he's good enough on a mic to work you know, as a face but I just think it takes away so much having him as a face because of how damn good he is as a heel. I, I just don't see it. Like I, to, to me, there has to be a swerve. Like I, I am, right. I am choosing to believe that the firm is not actually fired, and we're still going to end their pay per view coming up here in a couple of weeks with W. Morrissey's boot and John Moxley's face, and that's how MJF goes over. Like he's he's laying it on too thick for me right oh. now that I'm starting to become more and more suspicious that MJF is just putting on a good face, but he is still going to do whatever it takes to win that AEW World Championship, and he will not go over Moxley clean in a couple of weeks. But the issue right now is just the crowd reaction. Like, even last night, there's that interview with Renee, and I sort of like how they're acknowledging the her and Mox relationship but not shoving it down our throats, but they're saying, hey, we know you guys are aware these two are married as we talk about Moxley, <laughs> but we're like, he told her to like shut the hell up or he said, you know, no offense first and then yes. told her to shut the hell up. So that's how he works. So, but the fans popped for that. The fans cheered for that as opposed to being offended for Renee. There was a little mixed reaction. There were certainly cheers. There were some boos mixed in there as well. I, you know, so it wasn't over a hundred percent, but yeah, he's, but I think he still has to work heel. He can yeah. be an overheel where people are going to still cheer him, but I still feel like he has to do the heelish things, of course, unless he's in Long Island. Then he can do whatever he wants because, you know, that's <laughs> that's just the way that AEW works. Like, you are you are a heel unless you are in your hometown. Then you get to be the babyface because everybody knows that you're going to get cheered there. I, I just don't see long-term MJF being a babyface unless they just feel they have more heels – Look, I guess I guess I'm working at this. I'll, I'll put this. I'll put this premise out there. I am working under the assumption that MJF is going to be the new AEW World Champion right. after the upcoming pay per view. So I don't know if if this thing is for real. If they feel they have more, they have more heels that can work with MJF, which I feel is a very flawed premise. Which is how I continue to arrive back that no, MJF is actually going to be the heel, and they're going to have to find someone to go over him, much like. WWE is trying to find somebody to go over Roman Reigns. Well, I think let's start at full gear. You know, in a couple of weeks, those two are going. Mox, we would agree, I think, is the most over face in the company, right? 
Um, yes. Like Brian's up there, yep. Jungle Boy, Darby, but I think it's Mox is one right now, and it's tight and it's very you know competitive in terms of that. Who are the fans cheering for? Because MJF is getting ridiculous pops right now. So are they going to still cheer for him against Mox? Like, how is that going to work? So if they if they do the standard babyface heel chop off in the middle of the ring, right. where you get the boos and cheers, I, <laughs> I, I think it's going to be a smattering because I think they're going to be uh, of I think there are going to be people who respect that MJF has to be the heel. Okay. So the boo just out of like when the Miz is doing his best work, it's always as a heel. Yes. And people love it, and they boo him out of respect of professional wrestling in general. We understand you're the heel. These boos, kind of like Kurt Angle, telling Kurt Angle he sucks. Like, that is because we're pro wrestling and do everything backwards. That somehow is a sign of respect. And anytime Kurt Angle comes back to WWE, he just absolutely adores that people chant, right. you suck, like, as, as his theme plays. So I think there are going to be people who boo. But for the most part, I think they're going to be cheering for MJF. I think yeah. that's just the kind of point we're at. And, and that's the weird part. But then to like answer your question about the moving forward and working under the assumption that MJF is winning that night, there really aren't any top heels right now. Like MJF as a heel works so well with so many top faces, including Moxley, including Bryant, including Wardlow when we eventually get to that phase. Like that is what works. Whereas on the flip side, I don't have that heel that you say, okay, well, I'd love to see him challenge MJF and MJF be the baby face well, because who is there? Well, you, you have the entire Jericho Appreciation Stable, which they just need to move off of the BCC at this point. Just give them something other than BCC matches, please. I am begging yeah, you. That you is fair. The this was supposed to be the blow. Like, they did blood and guts, what, four months ago at this yes, point? Like, Five months ago? It's the longest running feud ever. Like, I don't even know if I was married. Like, I got married this summer, Brian. Like, I think I was technically not married when this match, when this feud was supposed to end, and it somehow is still going on. I don't quite understand. And look, maybe some of that is because of the, everything going on backstage and some of the plans that have had to change, maybe, and they've just kind of gotten stuck. So, but yeah, I think MJF as a heel just is going to end up working so much more, which is, again, what I am choosing to believe, that the firm is not actually fired. It's all a ruse because it's MJF. And W. Morrissey and company is going to be involved, unless unless he's a babyface, and then like we get, I got, and he runs through the firm, and we get Ethan Page, and we get, um, you know, we get W. Morrissey, Morrissey versus MJF yeah. matches. That doesn't do it for me, and like that's the weird part of this, even more so, is the fact that MJF is a heel, Mox is a face, being your main event feud, like that works. You have MJF running his mouth. You have him say offensive things to Renee. And then ultimately the payoff is Mox is able to punch him in the mouth and shut him up. Like that works from a wrestling fan standpoint. And because Mox is such an over baby face, I think fans accept it. So that's why it makes even less sense that we're going down this route to where he was defending Mox last night because Mox's guys were, you know, locked up in their own locker room. But to go to that extent, like it's just a weird feeling right now. And I think MJF is a face takes away from how special MJF is as a wrestler. Yeah, which again, I think I think ultimately he is going to be the heel because he has to be. He is the bad guy. He is MJF. And I'm I'm actually curious to see and I'm hoping he turns heel. Because as as much as I love Mox and I, and I make the note every week, you know, I'm a Marx I'm, I'm a Mark for for John Moxley. Um 
I, I think maybe the AEW championship and having to like save the day has almost kind of drug him down a little bit. I think the original thought for Blackpool Combat Club is that they would just be these badass tweeters. You know, him sure. and and Brian Danielson would just be these badasses that go out and have good matches. And that's where Mox has had to come save the day. And the first time Punk got hurt, and then when Punk got suspended and hurt, you know, and, and they got to make him champ so they actually have a representative carrying around the AEW World Championship. It's just gotten him to a level of a babyface where he just can't be that tweener. He can still be that badass guy, but I think he can be that tweener. And I think you can do some interesting things with him and Danielson. And they've kind of hinted at the Danielson issues with Yuta. But Yuta and and Claudio, they're just 100% over babyfaces. So do you do a thing of maybe Mox and Brian Danielson can kind of get back to being those tweeners? Maybe even bad guys do something with those two where the Blackpool Combat Club almost blows up and you still have Mox and Brian Danielson maybe on the original course that they were supposed to be. I think you can do some interesting things once you get that championship off of Mox with the character other than just him being – this is the best guy we got. Let's cheer him because he saved the day so many damn times for us. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, Brian still comes out of the heel locker room, so he still sort of plays that tweener thing, and it looks like the path we're going down is full gear. We get Brian and Yuta again, and I think that's one of those matches where the two of them just beat the crap out of each other. It's a fun match. They're both faces, but Brian's one of those guys that I don't think will work as a face, or I'm sorry, as a heel, because I think he's so over people want to cheer him. And I agree with what you're saying about Mox. Like, part of what makes Mox Mox is he's that anti-hero. He's rugged. But now he's the company guy. He's the one wearing AEW on the back. He's John Cena right now. And, like, that takes away from the Moxley character. He is. He's the company guy. He's the rah-rah guy. He's representing them. Like, that's what he is. Just just sign the five-year deal where he's also going to be doing backstage things. Like, and maybe as we get away from that, he can kind of get back more into that that tweener, maybe a little bit more of a heel character. But I, I just think there are some things you can certainly do, which is, again, why I go back to MJF is going to be your world champ after full gear. It's just a matter of how do we get there. And there are plenty of baby faces he can do things with. You can run back him and Darby Allen. You can run back him and Jungle Boy. I, I do like the idea if you can – Stop getting out of your own way. Give ROH their own deal. Get him out of ROH storylines. And that's eventually how you get Wardlow over once again. You can run back so many of these feuds that MJF has had, but they're just done on a bigger level. Like Because I guess I think of, you know, back in the Attitude Era, like Triple H and, and, and The Rock, like they were fighting for the Intercontinental Championship before they were fighting for the WWE Championship. So it's just kind of you're graduating that feud to the main event. And I think you can do that with Wardlow if you can find a way to heat him up again because you decided to cool him down so damn much. Well, I will say if we flip it, like Moxley winning, I think could make MJF work better as a face because then all of a sudden he's a sympathetic Ooh. face and like, oh, he can't win. He can't win the big one. And then maybe even Mox is more of a tweener, and MJF, I think it adds to his legacy as a face if they go that route. Ooh. BCC intervenes, yeah. and they can almost get this double turn feel, even though they've already been building the one turn with MJF. Right. I could get behind that. I could certainly like, get behind that. That's the only way I see it working. Man, does – whoa, does – 
Does MJF then like I, it just like hit me? So does MJF like somehow become the pit be a part of the pinnacle again? Like the pinnacle is just back and they're all baby faces now. Oh. Like and that's how the and then now you, then you can bet the pinnacle against Blackpool Combat Club. Yes. We're doing some fantastic fantasy yeah. booking if I do You're say welcome, so myself. Tony. <laughs> because they've um, again, it was a couple weeks ago, but they they did build them as the pinnacle. It wasn't just a thing yeah. that they talked about on broadcast. It said the pinnacle when they had Sean Spears wrestle with FTR. That is true. I I love that path. Like now, all of a sudden, like it all makes sense. <laughs> Although, yeah, I mean, if that's the path you go. Right. But it can't be a long-term path. Like, again, MJF just ultimately has a punchable face. Yes. And and he knows it. I think he can play that up. And he just makes sense as this kind of forever heel, you know, I guess a more badass version of what The Miz has been in WWE. Because anytime The Miz turns babyface, like, you're like, I don't think so. You're going to be better off as a heel. And I think ultimately that's where if MJF goes babyface, I think people will just be behind it for a while and then ultimately be like, no, we liked you better when you were insulting us. Right, exactly. And that's just the wrestling fan. They're going to cheer when they get called fat slobs and things like that. You know, I mean, The Rock, The Rock got super over and then would come back as – a heel sometimes and people would still love it, you know? So I, I guess I look at it and again, that's just a completely different thing. <laughs> um, but it, it can be done where you can be a super over uh, heel where people still cheer you, but you're still ultimately the heel in the story. Um, but that's, I guess where I land there. Uh, we'll still have plenty more to talk about with full gear coming up uh, in, later in the month of November. Speaking of the month of November on November 6th, you can check out Boca Raton championship wrestling. If you happen to be in South Florida and we are pleased to be joined by somebody who will be there on Sunday, November 6th. Oh, he's got him. He's got the scissors. <laughs> Brutus beefcake joining us here on GKW. Bruce, thank you so much for, uh, for taking the time and, and talking a little uh, Boca Raton championship wrestling with us. Hey, not a problem. Man, love uh, Boca Raton Championship Wrestling. Neil the Heel, Matt Bachelor, two guys that are having a passion for the business, and they created this whole thing to bring that dream, uh, you know, to into the present day. And and man, it's pretty cool stuff. I am the commissioner, you know. Oh yes, of course. Uh, so how many how many pairs of those scissors do you have? Oh jeez. I got a few laying around here and there <laughs> for special occasions and put some away, you know, a few years back just for a rainy day and stuff, you know. <laughs> We've gotten on good authority that you do watch AEW because of your grandson and his affinity for Jungle Boy. But we're talking about scissors. We got to start there. One of the most over things in AEW right now are scissors. Probably the most over scissors have been in pro wrestling since you. How fulfilling is it to watch scissors be over again in pro wrestling? That's that's a little crazy. I don't know. I'm you know, my grandson Gino. He's uh, he he just is in love with with the business and and uh, daddy. and yeah. Well, my my wife Missy and everything. She she's a big part of the, Sesame Daddy. This whole deal. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know. Um, Wack your head. 
That's fantastic. I, I was not anticipating your wife yelling, scissor me, daddy, in the background. Wasn't prepared for that. Um, let's let's talk a little bit before we get more into uh, Boca Raton Championship Wrestling and everything happening Sunday, November 6th. Um, so you, you do have a book that's available at BrutusBeefcake.com. If fans want to buy the book, what can they expect when they when they open it up and read it? Well, they can expect it, – it's a G-rated book. I mean, you can read it to your, your kids. It, it's not out – like sex, drugs, rock and roll, but it's it's a mild, funny, great stories, great uh, road stories. You know, I mean, and not just a bunch of made up stuff. <laughs> Man, it's everything that happened in my lifetime over the period of the many, many years, and it's a, it's just a fun, great book. I haven't had one person come to me and say, "Bruce, I read your book, was and it sucked." It's like everybody. <laughs> says man that was great we you know started reading it i couldn't put it down and you know when are you going to do another one i said well we're trying to you know maybe uh do a extra chapter and, and re redo the cover and make it some kind of special little deal and tell uh tell me some wcw's stuff that uh you know because we didn't really get into i didn't get into a lot of wcw stuff in the book and you know there's still a lot to talk about what is it like putting together a book like that and just going down memory lane and all the different accomplishments you had in your career? Well, it, it, it took a long time. I started on this book years and years back. And then the guy that was helping me do it passed away. And all my, all my, all my research, all my stuff was lost. <coughs> Excuse me. And then um, Missy, my wife, uh, came in contact with a guy named Kenny Casanova. And uh, he's a ghost writer, and we got in touch with him, and we started uh, started calling and talking. We started talking, 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 and man, we had a lot of stuff. I mean, Missy went through for days and days trying to trim trim it down and, and pull out stuff. You know, it wasn't uh, wasn't really appropriate. And, you know, we don't want to get <laughs> want to get anybody in in trouble or anything. You know, not that kind of book. But it was it's a fun, it was a great fun book, and um, well, I'm looking forward to uh, you know to getting back out on the road again and, and the BRCW man, it's like an old school. They it, it's like it reminds me of the the '80s at, at WWF days when you know you had the good guys and the bad guys, and then you know they had characters and and and, and real just people wasn't wasn't too much soap opera in it. You know it was just. It was just good stuff, and, and and the kids could watch it, and 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 the grandmothers loved watching it. It was a, we had a real big, you know, audience, you know, and, and everybody loved it. And uh, I, I think, you know, just they they shorten their audience some too much now. You know, we want to, we're trying to get, you know, the BRCW to be a real audience friendly, and and everybody can you know bring the kids and the great stuff for the kids and and, and, a, and a great show. So now you, as you mentioned, you are the commissioner of Boca Raton Championship Wrestling. As you've kind of reached this part of your career, as you've gotten older, did you feel it was important to kind of get back? Because you see so many of the guys of your era who do give back and, and want to get back into it and try to work with the younger generation. Was that important with you to try to work with the younger generation of wrestlers and help them achieve some of their dreams as you are now doing with BRCW? I, absolutely, I think it's very it's very important uh, thing for the guys with the experience to do is to help try to 
pass along some of that experience. You know, and we're bringing in guys. We got Mark Long, the godfather of reality TV, super guy coming in. You know, the and and the talent and the talent we got that BRCW has it is uh, just wide ranging, and there's some great uh, women uh, wrestlers in there and stuff. And you know, my wife, uh, she uh, she goes, I go as the commission, she is the delish. <laughs> and uh you know and neil the heel he he uh he does the announcing and stuff and it's like a it's a whole family you know family run thing and it has a it just has a great a great feel to it you know we also see on your twitter at brutus beefcake underscore the way you know going to conventions and things like that what is that like when you go to some of those conventions and you get to link up with some of the guys you shared a ring with but now you're taking pictures and signing autographs and meeting some of the fans that you impacted oh man well it's you know everything's just it's just a, a pleasure to get to get out on the road and, and get uh, get with all the fans and there's just such such a tremendous fan base out there. It just never ceases to amaze me how many how many wrestling fans are still out there and still still want to come out and see. You know, uh, they love the '80s guys. You know, we're, we're still trying to put together something uh, with some old friends and to go back to the Saturday morning. Nothing was better than the Saturday morning TV show. <laughs> you know, the wrestling show. And um, I, I'm working with some other guys. Uh, Tommy Fierro and uh, and then and, and some quite a few other people too, and we're trying to put together something like a Saturday morning show, wrestling show for that's really geared for uh, for the kids and stuff like you know like a you know kind of like a, a card not a cartoon but you know just uh, characters with personalities and, and gimmicks and stuff you know like the old Coco Beware and the, and you know the 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 guys that had flashy, you know, outfits and stuff and, you know, big, big personality and doing the interviews and talking it up out there. And, you know, the Sheik, the Volkov, the, you know, Tito Santana, and just, there was just a macho man. It was just so many different, you know, characters and so much to, to see and experience, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's what we're hoping to do. So you were kind of talking about, you know, some of those, uh, the old days. What was it like for you when the WWE called you in 2019, wanting you to be in the class of 2019 for their Hall of Fame? Well, I was like, I, I was beginning to think it was never going to happen. Um, about 10 years ago, somebody called from the WWE building because it was uh, on my phone, the uh, the, the uh, caller ID and uh left a message or something about me being in the hall of fame. That was like 10 years ago. Everybody got all excited. We were, everybody was going crazy. And it turned out it was a prank call. Oh, oh no. Oh yeah. So after that, I was like, man, okay. Uh, I don't know what I, who I must've made mad or pissed off or whatever, but you know, and then, you know, but you know, being patient pays off. We were, you know, there was a patient, patient fisherman and, you know, when they called, they had Sports Illustrated. They wanted to have a big release to announce me, and then and, and they had the Hulkster come out, and nobody else had a presenter. They had me get having a presenter, had the Hulkster uh, do the presenting, and and uh, so I mean, my career has just been so tremendously blessed. 
I, I, you know, I had a setback in 1990 with an accident. Accident. They said you never wrestle again, Bruce. They didn't even want me to ever drive a car again. So there, there, there was some milestones there. I had to, some obstacles to overcome, and uh, you know, I got to tell you, it really uh, changed me as a person, and you know, made me realize, you know, how how great and how how much I appreciated. You know the fans and everything. I had thousands of letters from the fans, and you know, in support me, and you know, hoping I for me to get better and wishing me to get back to TV, and and uh, and somehow I was able to do it. I mean, and you know, my doctor said, you know, hey, I can't tell you not to do this, but uh, you're crazy. You know, I said, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, you know me. I'm, I, of course, I'm crazy. You know, but. That just, you know, that's just the uh, rapper on the outside, Bruce Beefcake, boom, boom, bam. You know, the, the Bruce Beefcake, the heel, turned into Bruce Beefcake, the baby face, and, and strapping people's hair off and spray paint and everything. Like, you, I heard you guys talking about uh, the baby face and the heel. I was the, I was the heel that turned baby face and was still a heel. <laughs> to beat up everybody and cut their hair too so it was like i had the best of both worlds going there we talk a lot about that with the baby face and heels like you sort of need that dance partner to sort of have that perfect story who were some of your favorite people to work with during your career oh well mr perfect um honky tonk man rick martell <coughs> excuse me the uh Rick Rude, there was there was just so many guys. I enjoyed wrestling like like Harley Race. I mean, a guy, his background. I, I watched him from the time I was a kid, and wrestling these hour matches. And I just never imagined in my life that I I get a chance to wrestle him and Bobby Heenan in the corner and the you know the manner thing and 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 Harley Race flying over out of the ring and the t taking bumps out of the top rope and just making me look like a million bucks and it was such you know it was it was just so uh gratifying you just to have had that kind of uh respect for from a guy like harley race you know and it's things like that that you know i'll, I'll carry the rest of my life i'll never forget that and you know andre the giant people like that too had a great rapport with andre did probably i think the best interview he ever did on a barbershop with, with uh, me and andre and stuff and it was just a tremendous, tremendous uh, experience over, you know, 40 something years in the business. And, uh, you know, I'm just happy to still be able to, you know, be around the business and be, you know, with the boys and stuff. Me and my wife are down there with BRCW and hanging out with Neil the Heel and Matt. I mean, these are just great people, great families. And uh, it's just it's very exciting. So you bring up the barbershop. So you were there, one of the more iconic moments in the history of professional wrestling, the breakup of the Rockers with Marty Jannetty and HBK. What was that like? What was that whole scene like from your perspective? Did, did you think that Shawn Michaels was going to ascend to be the star that he became after the breakup of the Rockers? Um, I really didn't have any idea how, how really big he was going to be able to you know, he really climbed that ladder. He he was uh, handed an opportunity, and he did good. I, I, I really felt a little bad for Marty there, who you know, who I liked a lot. Marty, I thought Marty kind of really got left by the wayside, and maybe delivered uh, should have got a little better treatment there. He really kind of got ditched, 
and and he because he he's a, he's a great guy. He was a great talent, a great wrestler, and uh, you know. But you know that's sometimes you know things happen, and you have to play the cards you're dealt. We talk about the '80s and '90s wrestling, and there's almost been a rebirth. You know, you see T-shirts, the Hogan and the Savage T-shirts just walking down the street now. For you, when you see something like that, or see a generation of fans look back so fondly, what's it like when you're like? Oh, that was part of that generation. You know, I shared a locker room with those guys. What is that like for you personally? Well, it's just gratifying, you know, being around the 80s when uh, we, we first got the, we were rock stars. We first, you know, MTV, VH1, bam, we're, we're I'm, I'm on Saturday night's main events almost every Saturday night. I got more air time than any WWE, WWF wrestler ever. And my, my numbers were so good, they just said, man, we want Brutus. We want Brutus. We want Brutus. And, and what, a, what an honor. What a, what, a, what, a, what a great thing and to be able to be looked on with, 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 uh, as, a, as an icon, as a legend, and, and have been in there with, and to be so recognized and to be so, you know, travel the world now and people still – People everywhere, anywhere I go, always uh, they recognize me and, and they always have something nice to say. And it, it's just a tremendous feeling. I feel like it's the 80s right now. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> well, so in, in the 80s is obviously, I mean, as you mentioned, there's there's still so many fans of the 80s wrestling that come out and, and, and want to see you and, and some of the people that you worked with. So when you take a look at right now professional wrestling, what would you think, what would you say the state of professional wrestling in 2022 is? Well, I mean, it's 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 a lot different, you know. It's changed a lot. Uh, you got AEW, Chris Jericho. Uh, you know, these guys are they're they're really working hard to try to, to to change that little craziness tone that kind of wrestler kind of got off track. I think a little bit. They're you know they're working hard to try to bring more wrestling back to the wrestling show and everything. And and uh, you know, I mean, it just it's the nature of our business. It changes. And it doesn't always change for the, for the better, so that's why it's hard. It, that's why it's good for the guys to work hard to try to change it in good ways to keep those fans and not not uh, get you know not turn the fans off and and push them away, but to to keep them coming and coming and want more. We see a lot in the ring now, you know, second, third generation, the Charlotte Fit Layers of the world. We saw the Rock's daughter make her debut this past week. As someone part of the business, what is the reaction when you see that? We're like, all right, you know, following a mom and dad's footsteps. What's that like for you? Oh man, I, you know, uh, I have a, uh, you know, Gino, my grandson, and Lucas, uh, my other grandson. He's a little younger, and uh, I foresee them to become huge, big wrestling fans. Gino just loves climbing up on the couch and jumping off on his little wrestling buddy. I got him, dropping the elbow and giving him the body slam and giving it a splash and everything. And, uh, you know, I just hope to be able to uh, continue to be a, you know, a good role model and, and uh, keep, you know, and have, have those, uh, have those great memories of them growing up. He is the commission of Boca Raton championship wrestling Sunday, November 6th. Why should people in South Florida go check you guys out for the November knockdown there in Boca Raton? Cause they should come if they want to have a great night uh, out with the family, Neil and Matt treat their wrestlers better than any place I've ever been. I mean, they even, even the fans that come to the shows, they feed them and, and, and stuff at the, at the shows. They, so, I mean, I've never seen a wrestling show that 
that have bring the fans in and, and actually feed them, you know. Sizzle me down, Daddy. <laughs> Sizzle me down. You know. <laughs> well, it, it's a big it's a big compliment for me because you know there's nobody's trying to be at least they're not trying to be the uh, a barber, but the scissors are just so over and and so powerful that. You know, you can't hardly uh, blame them for wanting to be able to bring them back and utilize them, you know. Well, British, thank you so much for the time. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, best of luck to you. And, and Brian's the one down in West Palm, so maybe he'll come check you guys out. Uh, the uh, Boca Raton Championship Wrestling, Sunday, November 6th, 4th of November, Knockdown. Tickets available, BocaRatonWrestling.com. Tickets, man. Those, those things going to sell out. We don't want you to be left out. Thanks for the time, Brutus. You, you bet. Thank you. Uh, again, check out his website, BrutusBeefGake.com, if you want to check out his book. Uh, also, he's going to be appearing uh, coming up in February. He'll be a part of the Jericho Rock and Wrestling Cruise. So plenty of opportunities to uh, check out Brutus Beefcake and certainly appreciate his time. Uh, some fantastic stories to tell from his time on the road. And, and I love, I always love to see it. I mean, again, you see it right now in, in WWE. You see it in AEW, Brian, just these these past wrestlers who want to still be involved and give back. And that's what we're seeing with uh, Brutus and Booker Raton Championship Wrestling. Yeah, I think that's the best part about indie wrestling in general is just seeing the guys come back. And, you know, even if they're not going in the ring just to share that experience and be in the locker room with so many of those people, I think it's pretty cool to see them give back like that. So Brutus was our number one on the three count, something we do weekly here on GKW, the top stories other than our going on in professional wrestling. What do we have at number two? Sort of mentioned it there with Brutus. Tuesday night on NXT, we saw the debut of Ava Rain. Better known to wrestling fans is 21-year-old Simone Johnson, the daughter of The Rock. What are your expectations for Ava Rain? So she is going to be in this group called Schism, as they've been slowly kind of releasing the members. They did a tease for her. Nobody really knew who it was going to be. And then she revealed herself. Cut a very short promo. It was only like two or three seconds. Um, Man, I I feel this is a tough one because – her dad is like when you give. I mean, the only person she could probably talk to about. Okay, what do you expect? Is like Charlotte. Yeah. Because I, I mean, that I think that's it. That's the list. Because we we see. I mean, again, you see this everywhere. We see that you know the Ass Boys, the Gun Club, whatever you want to call them, over in AEW with Billy Gunn. You see these other wrestlers that that make these debuts. Obviously, in WWE, you have the Usos, the son of Rik- you know the sons of Rikishi, and there's just a long line of wrestlers um, in that family line anyway. But in terms of making your debut as the the daughter of one of the most iconic wrestlers of all time. Like that's, it's tough. And I tip my cap to her. And I know it's something that Charlotte did in her time as NXT as well. She was just Charlotte for the longest time before adding the flair. And I know they they eventually on NXT did the, her, um, where they had her dad in the corner. And then Natalia had Brett in the corner with, you know, using her family heritage with the hearts and so they finally leaned into that. And now she's finally leaned into the flair part of her. But I understand wanting to build your own name and build your own brand before you start relying on that. You want to, Hey, I can do this. I don't, I don't want anyone to think I'm succeeding just because my dad is, you know, the rock. Like I, I don't want anyone. So I, I completely respect that. That being said, if she's good enough, like how long is this bloodline storyline going to go on? Because 
Like having a female member of the bloodline, yeah. I, I think opens up a lot of other possibilities right now with the way WWE is building up a lot of these, um, these factions across, you know, like, I mean, if, again, she's probably a ways away from being a main roster call up. She's 21 years old, but I, I could see her getting dragged, you know, put into that. If this bloodline thing continues for another year or two. Yeah, I, I do like that end game, but I do overall, like, I feel bad for her. Like, you know, Jay was texting us earlier, like, oh, what's with the name? And like, one of the reasons is she wanted to sort of distance herself. She didn't want to be the rock's daughter. If you Google Ava rain right now, you get a ton of news articles from national outlets that aren't even covering wrestling. It's like, hey, The Rock's daughter made his, her debut this week. So she's not escaping that no matter what her name is. And she's going to always have to follow that. It's so hard for a 21-year-old to be making their professional wrestling debut. The expectations for her are going to be sky high. Yeah. And, and I am, I mean... I am not going to place any expectations on her. I am going to do my best. That being said, like now that she's on NXT, because I was more, when I was a kid growing up in the Attitude Era, I was more of a rock than a Stone Cold guy. Okay. So like, I, I, I like the rocks and the fact that his daughter is in NXT, I might be tuning in. I might throw it on the DVR, check it out just to see how she's doing to see if she's progressing where maybe she ends up on raw. Maybe she ends up on SmackDown again. I think she's a ways away from that, but I might be checking in more now just because she is the rock's daughter. But at the same time, I, I want to approach it with, I have no expectations other than you're a character on a wrestling show. And I want to see how you progress through WWE's developmental the same way that, you know, we see Braun Breaker, who, again, sure. that's another yeah. another, another guy who, who who's trying to make his name away from what his family was in the professional wrestling business, although he's gotten to a point now where that family has certainly been inserted, inserted into some of the storylines they've told in NXT. Yeah, but I think the difference there is, like, Braun Breaker chasing Rick Steiner – you know, Rick Steiner's here, the singles yes. wrestler, the Rock's up here. Yes. And you bring up the Charlotte example. I feel like when Charlotte was first getting started, there still was FCW or there still was NXT that wasn't what it is today. Ava Rain is debuting on USA. Like, she's going to have to be on TV every week. We've seen the ratings actually grow for NXT the last couple months to where even more eyes are on them every week. And it's the internet, it's Twitter. There is going to be criticism, any sort of misstep. And I think we even sort of saw it with Nia Jax. Like, she had her shortcomings in the ring. You know, other stuff not withholding. But, like, the association with The Rock, I felt like, always sort of held her back. And there sure. was a lot of, like, oh, because she's related to The Rock, she's getting this or she's getting that. And it's unfortunate that Ava Rain's probably going to be in that same boat. I do like to go this route, though, with Schism. That is, you know, a heel group. They're sort of spooky. They're almost NXT 2.0 version of the Wyatt family. I do think this so could potentially help her a little bit. Yeah. I, I like the fact that maybe they learned some lessons from her dad, you know, yeah. where they, they did try to learn lean into his heritage and he was this happy go lucky baby face right. that led to die, Rocky die. <laughs> so, you know, the, I think it's easier for her to debut as a heel, you know, instead of being a baby face, that's trying to get over debut as a heel and try to cut your teeth that way. It's, and it, it's going to be tough for her to outrun it. She's never going to actually outrun it. It's, but the hope is that eventually you become like Charlotte. Like Charlotte is to steal the Cody. Like she's undeniable, you know, like she's just an undeniable talent. She is genetically superior, you know, to lean into that gimmick, but she's so damn good in the ring. 
you know, she's not as good as her dad was on the microphone, but who cares? Yeah. She's still really good when she's cutting her promos. You know, those those comparisons are always going to happen. It's just you hope for her that she gets to a point where she's so good where it's like, oh, Charlotte Flair. Oh, by the way, yeah, Charlotte's is the daughter of Rick, but right. she does her own thing. She's awesome. And oh, Ava Rain or whatever name she ends up sticking with. Ava Rain, man, she is awesome. Oh, by the way, she's also the daughter of The Rock, who trans it, it, it just becomes everything else too. Because like even though Ric Flair is the greatest wrestler of all time, like Dwayne Johnson is the guy who transitioned from WWE and and being a part of the hottest era of professional wrestling. And oh, by the way, he's one of the most popular actors in Hollywood and makes hand money hand over fist in every movie he does like it's it's a it's even a different level of rick flair because there are some people out there that don't realize dwayne johnson right was a professional wrestler right. like he's right. been out of the game for so long that they just think of him as dwayne johnson the movie star yeah 100 percent. i mean you could say dwayne johnson the rock is the greatest sports entertainer of all time but to sort of you know fantasy book your sort of angle her coming out and costing the rock against roman at mania I mean, you got five, six months to build to that moment right now. And there you go. And there she's part of the bloodline and off we go. <sighs> See, because they're doing some really interesting things in WWE right now. Like the two, the two factions, like the two things they tell every story around, whether it's Raw or SmackDown right now, is the Judgment Day and the bloodline. Mm-hmm. And the difference is right now, they can't really cross paths quite yet because the bloodline doesn't have that female presence right. where – for the Judgment Day, Rhea Ripley is, I mean, she's the leader of that faction. Like, yeah. she is, uh, without a doubt, the most, to me, the most over person and part of that faction. So you would need a, in order to truly battle them, you need a female character on your end, too. I mean, if she can develop fast, man, that would be that would be interesting, going yeah. against her dad to join the bloodline. <laughs> That's immediately, you know, making her legit right out the gate. That would be something. <sighs> now, like, now I want that to happen. Like, I, that, I, that was not even a thought that had crossed my mind. Like, now I definitely want that to happen. And how cool for The Rock, who would get to share an in-ring moment with right. his daughter and also find a way to, like, put her over. Like, that would be – That's that is the ultimate dream, I think, booking scenario. Again, it would have to come together very, very quickly. Hey, um, we got six months to build. We're in October. We're going to get to April. <laughs> Yeah, that's five, six months to potentially build it, but who knows? Maybe it happens. What do we have at number three? Pro Wrestling Illustrated released their women's top 10 and coming in at number 10, going 10 to 1. Number 10, Taya Valkyrie. Number 9, Starlight Kid. Number 8, Charlotte Flair. Number 8, Saya Campini. Number 6, Jordan Grace. Number 5, Jade Cargill. Number 4, Becky Lynch. Number 3, Thunder Rosa. Number two, Bianca Belair, and number one, Surrey out of stardom. What was your reaction to the PWI women's top 10? Uh, that I can't believe that the biggest women's wrestler in AEW wasn't on the list, and the one that seemingly everybody hates was in the top five. Like, yep. Thunder Rosa is like, she has like, not with the fans, but she has, X, it seemingly has X Pac heat within her own locker room. Right. Like the go away heat within her own locker room. It's not great. And Britt Baker is one of the biggest stars in women's professional wrestling. So the fact that she wasn't in the top 10 was interesting. The fact that Mandy Rose, who has held the yeah. NXT women's championship for the better part of this past year, wasn't in the oh, top it's been 10 a full as well. year now. I think yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. today marks a calendar year. 
Okay, so it's been a full year. So the fact that she wasn't in the top 10 was interesting to me and that Jade Cargill was, um, that's that that's all very, very interesting to me. And I understand that Britt has been without the championship, but to me, she's still undeniably the biggest star in the women's division in AEW that could get could get challenged once Soraya gets into the ring a little bit more. Um, but undoubtedly, she's been the biggest female wrestler in AEW since day one. 100%. You look at sort of the criteria, achievement, influence, technical ability, quality competition, activity, like Britt checks all those boxes. Like every single top star that came into AEW in the women's division, their first sort of match was against Britt. Their first feud was with Britt. She went through everyone. She, we've talked about a lot, probably squashed a lot of them and some of their momentum. So it is weird not to see her there. The Jade standpoint, I've seen a lot of reaction to that on social media. There's the undefeated streak. There's a character there. I think there's great character development. We know there's a lot of, you know, room to grow in the ring. But I just feel like there's not those sort of memorable moments that you look at and say, okay, hey, this is a top 10 year where, you know, Britt is in the center of it all the time. Yeah. And any major, I mean, every every storyline that she is a part of, and look, I, I enjoy the Jade Cargill character. Yeah. I like that she continues to grow. I'm curious to see who they finally put over because that's going to be a big moment for whoever yeah. finally ends that undefeated streak and wins the TBS championship. Um but Britt Baker is the star maker. Like you mentioned, right. like if you come, if you're coming to AEW, you got to go through Britt. And maybe that was to the detriment of somebody like Ruby Soho. Maybe yep. that was to the detriment of, you know, some of these characters that ultimately didn't go in. And finally they did put Thunder Rosa over her a year after they had the memorable lights out match. So I mean, she's, she is much like Becky. I mean, and I understand Becky had the title probably for a big portion of this mm -hmm. time frame that PWI was ranking ranking. But just like Becky Lynch is probably the biggest star when she's there, like and, and Bianca Belair is well on her way to yeah. potentially usurping, and, and they ranked her higher than than uh, Becky Lynch at this point. And maybe she already has surpassed Becky because of the injuries that Becky has suffered. But for the for a three four year stretch, like Becky Lynch was to me the women's division. Like she carried it. The, the different characters she's been able to have. The man, big time Bex, yep. probably now going to be a baby face whenever she comes back again. You know, after rehabbing her current injury. Like to me, Becky Lynch is just always going to be in the top ten as long as she's wrestling here. And I kind of feel the same way about Brick Baker. Like with or without the title, she's the biggest name in AEW. Yeah, one hundred percent agree. And to your point about Bianca, who is number two, I think. The WWE deserves credit for creating a star in Bianca to where, you know, we saw her on college game day a few weeks ago. You know, we see her at panels and stuff like she is a star right now. Oh, she's so impressive by that. Yeah. Like we knock them a lot for their lack of character development, their lack of star development on the men's side. But they deserve a lot of credit for what they've done with Bianca over these last couple of years. Oh, without a doubt. Because, I mean, it, they Triple H would be a dummy if he did not have, <laughs> like, oh, we need someone for college game day. Yeah, let's put Bianca on there. Right. Because she's she's going to do such a, jo a great job of, you know, like the way she just, when she was on college game day, and they, like, questioned her about the EST and the way she just, like, rattled off the catchphrase, uh -huh. you know, bam, bam, on the biggest, <laughs> fastest, tallest, strongest, on the best, you know? like the, And they were just like, Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, we're I in on that. Burnley Corso. Like, I want a buddy cop film. <laughs> like, it was amazing to watch that interaction. With her and Lee Corso. Yeah. That would be fantastic. But, I mean, yeah, she's she's fantastic. Like, she is – like, to me, she could be the next John Cena 
for WWE. Bianca, you know, again, because you see the way she interacts with other people and, oh, we need someone to go on name whatever late night show. Yeah, put Bianca on that late night show because she is just going to sell the hell out of herself. She's going to sell the hell out of WWE. She's going to a great job. She's going to do a great job of doing it. She's going to have fun with whoever she's with. Like to me, that's that's the ceiling for Bianca Belair. Yep, completely agree. And I think it'll be cool to see her continue to grow because I think there's still a lot of room even for her to grow. Like she still is so new at this. Yeah, yeah. And she's, but she's so athletically gifted. You know, again, former college athlete, you get to see that in the ring. So she is that complete package that you're looking for for WWE. And yeah, the fact that Bianca, I mean, to me, if Bianca's not number one next year on this list, you might not even want to do the rankings. Yeah, that is that is fair. And it goes October to September. So she's already sort of started at the ladder match, at a, you know, strong main event this past week. So it's already starting to build towards that. Let's go ahead and move on to our news and notes for the week. Mr. Rowitz. All right. We will start in AEW last night on Dynamite. We started seeing vignettes airing about the elite. They were disappearing in the ads. It reports out that their return is imminent and that they might start their backstage roles soon. Adding to that, because we haven't seen them since the all-out brawl, CM Punk's camp tells Wrestling Inc. that part of the issue was his door was kicked in. It hit Larry the dog in the face, causing Larry the dog to lose two teeth, and Punk was just acting in self-defense. There's a lot to unpack there. Um, <laughs> so I'll save my Avengers jokes about the vignettes for the end. Um, like, so to me... Punk's camp releasing some things kind of points towards in, in the other reports and then the vignettes playing, it points towards the elite being back and CM Punk not being back. And we already kind of talked about that with a steel being let go um, earlier this month by AEW. So to me, it seems like Punk is unhappy, probably maybe wanted to return to AEW, but doesn't look like he's going to be getting that opportunity because why else would he be leaking these things to try to make, or people in his camp be leaking these things to try to make him like look like more of a sympathetic figure versus the elites. And it, it just, just seems like that's the way this thing is going, that you're not going to be able to mend that fence, build that bridge, and that CM Punk's on his way out. Yeah, and that seems to be where it's going. You know, the report also says at this time there is no litigation against Punk. So I think they probably ended all the investigation. They said, hey, it was an issue. We're dealt with it. And now let's move on. It is weird, though, that you're starting to telegraph the elite return. Because to me, I just think about what that reaction would have been the first time we saw those three again after the suspension. Well, I mean, are they even still around? I thought they were just like you know, Thanos style disappeared off the face of the earth. That's kind of, that's kind of the vibe I got. Like the end of, you know, infinity war when all those people are disappearing and Spider-Man, Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. And they just disappeared. Like that was, that was the vibe. I I have no idea what they're doing with that. Um, It's, it's kind of strange. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure where you put them at this point. Like, do do you, I'm not sure where they fit in in the current AEW landscape. Are they baby faces? Are they heels? And honestly, I don't know how they're going to be received by the crowd. Like, I don't know if they're going to be cheered. I don't know if they're going to be booed. Because CM Punk, despite all of his shortcomings, is probably the most over-wrestler in the history of AEW. It's a short history, short list of people, but he is the... There's only one guy you could sell out an arena for without actually mentioning his name, even though you heavily hinted at it, and it's CM Punk. And they're the reason, and maybe they were right, maybe they were wrong, who knows, 
what actually happened after the all-out brawl. I understand them being upset after being called fucking children, but right. um, makes sense. Um, <laughs> but CM Punk's the most over wrestler in the history of AEW, and he's not in AEW because of that. Is okay, that going to well, be held then, against them? So if you go down that path then and tie it back into what we were talking about earlier, put those guys in as your top heels, Kenny versus MJF for the title, face MJF, the Bucks versus the acclaimed or FDR for the tag titles. And then all yeah. of a sudden you got it all written there. And like that works with those three as heels in those situations. Do you even think there's a, even a, a minuscule chance we see CM Punk back in AEW? Not a chance. Zero. What about CM Punk in WWE? I would have said 0% two months ago. I think at this point it's probably closer to 50%. I think we see him again in the WWE ring. Okay, so you so you do not believe that this is the end of CM Punk? No. I don't think we see a full-time CM Punk in the WWE, but he is going to be the guy that he hated. He's going to be the guy that he left WWE for that comes in every once in a while and is immediately put in that main event spot and isn't busting his ass year-round. That's going to be him moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I... I I'm so torn as a CM Punk fan, right? Sure. Like about the whole thing, because I want to see him again, yeah. but understand why that would be impossible in both these things. And it's hard to ignore all the red flags with CM Punk, even though I am a CM Punk fan. Yeah, but um, the, those executives can't ignore those dollar signs. That's that's what I'm saying. And I think it would be in – and again, maybe I'm just being a mark here – but I think it's in AEW's best interest to try. I think they could make money off of this. And I think it would be in their best interest to try to keep him around, but understand why that also could be maybe impossible. Yeah, that is fair. Elsewhere, news and notes, speaking of AEW, some new signings this week becoming official members of the AEW roster. Willow Nightingale, Josh Woods, and The Kingdom, which are Matt Taven, Mike, and Maria Kanellis. I mean, I'm, I'm super excited for Willow. We've we've talked about her a little bit. I, I think she could be a budding star. Like yeah. she just seems to have this bubbly personality. Super excited. And was it a surprise? Did she not know? I mean, because Tony did kind of say she she doesn't know why I'm in the ring, and like he let her know that she was all elite. So like, she but what if she said it. no? Yeah, I guess that you do run into that risk. She tweeted, though, she's like, there was a graphic on the monitor behind her. She's like, oh, I didn't even know that was there. And she was tweeting about that, and I think it just sort of plays her character, that bubbly, happy, excited thing. But, yeah, that's quite a risk. Uh, you go out there like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm going to go, you know, elsewhere. But thank yeah. you. I'm not going to actually sign the contract, but I appreciate that. But again, what a cool moment for her because it didn't seem very genuine when she ended up giving Shivani the hug. Um, so I'm super excited for her. Um the kingdom is interesting. So I feel like the idea, and this happened to them in WWE because they've done such a good job. Um, they did a great job when they were at Impact. Then that got them to the WWE with Maria Canellis Bennett and her husband, Mike. Um, but I feel the idea of them ended up being better than the actual them in WWE. I hope that's not the case for them in AEW, but I can also see a situation where they get lost very quickly in the shuffle. Yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, they could fall into that sort of, you know, the Tony nieces of the world. And, you know, they're getting opportunities. You know, Matt Taven's competing for the TNT title Friday night on a live rampage. And this is the guy that is a former Ring of Honor world champion. And maybe these are just that. Maybe they're just Ring of Honor signings because they were so big in Ring of Honor. 
And, you know, Taven's mark, I feel like, is ultimately remembered as the guy that won at the Garden, went in the ladder match. And a lot of people were very unhappy about that, that he's the one that went over. But, like, maybe that's where this goes, and it's just to sort of bolster that Ring of Honor locker room. Yeah, I mean, they need to figure – I know know, Tony has teased it, but it's going to be hard to get really excited about AEW signings just because it feels like the roster is currently bloated. Like, there's – there's a lot there, and we've seen him trim a little bit. We've seen um, some people that, you know, they were really pressed in Vance, you know, ends yep. up, you know, over in, in Impact, and, and they've had to cut from some different places. So it's – until they figure out what they're doing with ROH, to, unless it's a huge name, like a shocking name, it's going to be tough to get excited about a lot of these AEW um, signings. That being said, in this current crop, I am very excited for Willow. She earned it. She deserves it. I hope they they can tell some interesting stories with her going forward. Completely agree. Speaking of Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor final battle will take place on Saturday, December 10th at 4 p.m. Eastern. Oh, yeah. Also announced this week, Saturday, December 10th, NXT Deadline, their next premium live event. So once again, the WWE and Tony Khan going head to head. But are they going to head to head 4 p.m. Eastern? Like Yes. Because I feel like outside of Mania Weekend, at least from my perspective, you're not conditioned to watch, you know, all day wrestling. You're not conditioned to watch 12 hours of wrestling. So you're either watching 4 to 7 or you're watching 8 to 11. Like, I feel like you're not watching both. That's true. But is the NFL, I guess, is the NFL playing games on December 10th? Because they start sneaking in Saturday games in December once the college football season's kind of over. And that's the week after all of the championship games. So that's the week that's always reserved for Army-Navy. So right. I don't think the NFL is running games on December 10th. Nope. Look at I just, nothing on December 10th, Thursday. And okay. Sunday. So I, I'm very confused as to the early start time for ring of honor. Um, not sure what Tony's doing there. Why you wouldn't just go straight up head to head with NXT that night. But, yeah. but again, I guess he didn't know NXT was also running that night. So he's just, yeah, we'll run this on a Saturday afternoon. It'll be fine. <laughs> okay. There's something going on in Dallas that they got they got they got to get out of the arena. Somebody else has it at 8 p.m. Eastern. Like, okay, we got to yeah. make sure we tear down and get out of here, guys. There's a you know somebody's getting married tonight. They've got this place for their reception. Yeah, that is an odd one. Hopefully, we have a TV deal before then. And speaking of premium live events, WrestleVotes first to report the Hell in a Cell pay per view will be no more in 2023. Absolutely love it. Uh, this is reportedly because Triple H loves the gimmick, cherishes the gimmick, understandably so. He had some historic moments, end of an era uh, with him and Undertaker. HBK is the special guest referee, famously inside Hell in a Cell at WrestleMania. So, uh, reportedly, it's because Triple H doesn't want to have to just shoehorn one in there. It's not the end of the gimmick. It's just the end of the pay-per-view, and I respect that. Yeah, I'm 100% okay with that. Like, that should be a blow-off. That should be a special moment as opposed to, like, ah, oh, crap, This is, that's this month. Like, uh, let's throw this match in there. So I agree. I think it's a good move by them. And it's such a brutal gimmick to ask somebody to have to right. try to do that every year. It's it's tough. But it should be reserved for the the best of rivalries, I would say. Yep, that is it okay. for news and notes. So let's move on to our match of the week. What did you have this week, Brian? Uh, I'm going to go to last night. I think the tag match between Swerve and our glory and FTR, like it's frustrating still seeing FTR in the ring and realizing that they're just sort of rudderless right now. I still don't know what AEW is doing with them, but every time they're in the ring, they de- they deliver. They're that good. So I think that match, Bianca versus Bailey on Monday was really good. And the other one I'll throw out there, so I watched Halloween Havoc on Saturday and sort of today. I wanted to find something. And part of me is like, hey, it's NXT, it's Triple H. It was rough. It wasn't the best of shows. But the main event with Braun Breaker retaining, 
That was a pretty good match. If you want to go back and watch just the main event. I think Braun is ready for the main roster, but that match is the best I've seen him in the ring. So I'd say the main event was a pretty good also. I, I wasn't expecting to have a lot of options this week just because – I mean, WWE is still building up. They've got uh, yeah. Crown Jewel coming up. So, you know, it's more stories right now than wrestling in the ring because that, that's just kind of a brutal trip. And then very quickly after you have that, then you have War Games, which they need to start building towards with Survivor yeah. Series, which is about <laughs> a month away. Um, but they were surprising. Yes, the, the, the Bailey and Bianca Belair match was wildly entertaining. Certainly really enjoyed that. Um, I, I really enjoyed Moxley versus uh, Penta in the main event of AEW last night, uh, just because, again, like Moxley, and then you get, he's the brother of my other favorite wrestler in AEW, <laughs> but both the Lucha Bros can just absolutely go. And yeah. I, I love it when they get Penta in, in, in situations like that. But I also really enjoyed last night because, I mean, he's one of the best professional wrestlers out there, and every time he gets in the ring, he delivers. Daniel Bryan versus Sammy Guevara was was really good. I was not expecting him to go over Sammy Guevara, so that was interesting. Uh, again, that being said, uh, enough with BCZ versus Jericho Appreciation Society. We've, <laughs> I don't understand how this is still going on. The longest-running feud ever. Like, There's not even, like, if we talk about fantasy booking, how do you end this at this point? Like, there's I, nothing. I, you already did blood and guts. You did whatever right. stadium stampede. You did. I, I don't understand what else is left. Unless unless they unless they fight in outer space, there's like no other. You can't get higher than blood and guts. I don't understand. The Fast and the Furious of pro wrestling. Like I feel like that's where we're at right now. Like it's just the Fast and Furious franchise, and maybe Garcia turning on Jericho is the end, and then Garcia winning the Ring of Honor title. Like. Maybe that's that's all I can see at this point. Yeah, I'm I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite <laughs> sure what it is at this point. But um, yeah, that would that would be my vote because it was fantastic. But I really really did. I I might change my mind and just say it's Bianca versus um, Bailey because I kind of rolled my eyes like, okay, here we go again. Yes. Like it's going to be tough for them to top the ladder match, and they did a really good job. Like it, it grabbed my attention. So even though my expectations for it were low, they grabbed my attention. So I, I definitely want to give a shout out to that match. Cause it was a lot of fun to watch. And then we also got the return of, of Nikki cross, which yes. I don't know if it's going to be interesting, but it's certainly I- going to be more interesting than Nikki ASH. Yes. Agreed with that. I think there is potential there. And I think, you know, we probably get a third Bianca and Bailey, and maybe that's when Bailey goes over. But I agree. Well, so, to it, I was like, God, oh, do we need this again? But those two knocked it out of the park. Yeah. And again, that goes back to Bianca being the superstar that she is, along with one of the four horsewomen in Bailey. Yeah. And I, should, I shouldn't have rolled my eyes because as good as Bianca is, as good as Bailey is, like they were going to deliver. Yeah. Even though if I, even though. I was out on them maybe continuing that storyline. They're going to deliver in the ring just about every time. So, and, and like you said, now that she's got that win, I'm sure we're going to see it once again for the Raw Women's Championship. I guess that's when Bailey goes over. Jay Hood is going to be back next week, so we're going to be finally skating at full strength with all three of us. And you know there's going to be plenty to talk about because it's professional wrestling, and there are new stories that come up each and every week. So make sure you tune in and join us live next week right here on GKW.